The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. This week, we have another awesome testimony that we're going to be uh, sharing with you and um, uh, let uh, Maruva and Tinashe share their story. So put your hands together as we welcome Tinashe and Maruva and Mukundi Mtangara. Amen. Come on, you can do better than that. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, Maruva and Tinashe have an awesome testimony uh, that I thought would kick off this series of running uh, testimonies and just sharing their story. And so we're going to, I'm really excited about this story and I truly believe that it's going to make an impression on your heart and it's it's going to radically uh, change the way you see. I really am encouraged by what the Lord uh, has done in your lives. And uh, where do we start? I mean, what what kind of situation were you guys faced with? And um, uh, uh, yeah, let's start there. What were we dealing with? Okay, um, so basically, barrenness, um, right. infertility. Um, I had an issue of fibroids, and um, that led to me not being able to conceive for the longest, essentially. Yeah, so I also had a blocked tube, so you're working with one tube as well. <laughs> and how did you find out about all of that to, to get to uh, that conclusion? Um, so I'd always had the, the issue of the fibroids. I had surgery in 2014, and then the gynae gave me the all clear, um, got married, and after about a year, we started trying. So 2015 is when we started trying. And initially, you think, oh, no, it might take a bit of time. Then you realize that actually nothing is, is happening. And you go back to the doctor, and the doctor says, oh... Um, actually more fibroids growing again. I'm thinking, but we just did a surgery two years back. Um, So then that's when the journey really started um, of seeing doctors, getting all these tests done, um, a second surgery as well. So expressly, you guys were told this is going to be impossible. So, yeah. Do you want to talk? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, So this testimony... Uh, there are two testimonies. Right, in one. Uh, in one. Because each person, I mean, each of us, experienced it and experienced it differently. Yeah. Uh, but we're focusing on this one today. Yeah. But then on, with regards to how we, uh, what the experts were saying, uh, I'll, I'll just use one uh, example of a meeting yeah. where after the second surgery, uh, they were talking about a third surgery, so we went there, but they pulled me aside and told me, you know what, it's not going to happen. And then, but we did a meeting with you guys. So we went there to this uh, doctor who's a, a superstar, an expert. He's well known. And In fact, when you went to him, he said, <laughs> you've come to... Exactly. So, so what happened is, because she went through many uh, doctors, but they then referred, uh, referred us to... To the fertility clinic. There's this guy who's well known. He's the best doctor. That's what they say. Uh, globally, he's well known. 
So now this guy, we got there and he says, you know what? It's like you've been going to, with a car to those chop shops. You are taking a Mercedes to a chop shop. Today you've come to Mercedes. <laughs> That's how bold he was. And now, we, I mean, we're talking to this guy and because every doctor had said, you know what? This is the best guy who can deal with such situations. So now when we went for this review, they set us down. But they had another doctor from Belgium, is, right? Who was also there, a specialist. We had come for this. Now we're thinking, what, what is happening? And then they started to break it down to us. So they even put a video. And they were showing us things which we don't know. <laughs> to show us, okay, this is what a normal womb looks like. Uh, this is how yours looks like. They called it what? They called it like, it is what? Um, they basically said that it looked like sago pudding. That's how many fibroids were in there. So, so they then said, so they showed us a video of the operation, and they said, we're not going to go ahead with the third operation because it's, it's, it's impossible. Uh, the, there's no way this can ever, you can ever, uh, what do you call it? You can ever conceive. And then if ever there's a small chance uh, of you conceiving, because we said no. And they said, if ever there's a small chance, you can't even have a successful pregnancy, and you can't carry to term. That's what and they and told I like us. that. What was your response immediately in that particular meeting? I just told him no. I said no, no, no. Because he said, no, I know these situations. It's impossible. And I said, no, we refuse that report. It's like we were exactly in the Bible where the, the evil report was being read. And we said, no, we refuse that report. He says, yeah, but many people actually go through this. It's denial. He said, no, no, no. <laughs> It's faith. This is, this is not, we are telling you, we are going to go through with it. He says, uh, yeah, there are these uh, counselors, you guys can just go and see them. Um, many people who go to church experience what you're going through. He said, no. <laughs> no, your answer is not the report we are accepting. Amen. So you, you, you might be showing us all these things which we don't know, but we refuse that report. And, and how important, you know, this just highlights how important it is uh, to have a faith response. So at that particular moment, what kind of uh, 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 Bible verse, uh, conf what were you standing on? Conf I mean, what, what gave you that support that you needed spiritually to go through with it and grow in that regard? Because evidently, in the natural, there's opposition coming. There's a negative report that's coming. What sustained you through that period? Okay, so I think one of the things that really helped us is that we had a conviction that this was, was God's desire for us. So, I mean, we had verses um, like what Hannah prayed um, for this child I prayed for, you know. Um, there was also Psalm 113 verse 9. He makes the barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. Amen. Psalm 127, 3 to 5, you know. Um, Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord and fruit of the womb is his reward. You know, such verses are, are the verses that we stood on, but essentially we just had a conviction. Come on. Yeah. Come on. And, and at what point did you realize the word of God is actually becoming real? There's something going on that I don't understand. <laughs> So, um, after the surgery, um, first of all, we refused. Secondly, we went back to God and we said, you know, your children have reached the limits of their abilities. There's nothing more they can do for us in the natural. It is up to you. And we leave it in your hands. Um, 
the doctor had said surrogacy because it was just the oven that wasn't working. The ingredients, he said, were perfect. <laughs> so what's, they were, what's surrogacy? So surrogacy yeah. is um, getting somebody else to carry our child oh, okay. for us. Like yeah. Abraham. Yeah. Well, uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm trying to find it in the Bible. <laughs> no, 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 not quite. <laughs> so we had said, you know what, um, for a year, because for the previous two years, I had gone for tests, prodded, this and that. I was tired, and I said, for a year, I don't want to visit this issue. Thank you, Jesus. So we prayed about it and said, okay, after a year, we'll, we'll see. You know, um, it had taken a big leap of faith actually to even go to a fertility clinic and consider IVF as a start. So now you're saying, sorry, Gessie, I'm thinking, wow, okay, for me, it, it, it was a huge, it was a huge thing. It, you know, it's not common for us. Yeah. yeah. In other parts of the world, it's the next thing that you do. But for us, it was just such a big thing. Um, so... Um, for a year, we'll say we'll revisit it, June 2020, and we went along. We're not timing or anything. We were just, you know, <laughs> going along, and everything went back to normal. My cycles were normal. Previously, they weren't. I get to November, and I'm like, either I've started getting sick again, or I'm pregnant. And because I had done so many pregnancy tests in the previous years, I actually got to a point where I said, I will not do any more home pregnancy tests because it was too depressing. But on this occasion, I was just like, I think I need to do one. So that's when I went and did one, and for the first time ever, came out positive. Wow. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So, so, Hallelujah. So before that test, uh, well, Jesus was working with us as well, because we started to get, because we, we refused the report. We didn't tell people the bad news, uh, the bulk of the people uh, who we knew would not handle it. Uh, so even family, friends, they didn't know what was going on, except for the few people who knew, uh, like uh, Pastor Tafara, Pastor Chipo. And then what happened was uh, Jesus started to communicate because uh, there was a time when Marua was actually uh, announcing uh, she was on duty uh, as the MC. And then we were sitting there, I was sitting next to Cliff. And then Cliff, he just started to look and he's like, no. And then after service, he pulled me aside and says, you know what? You saw when there was, I, I was shocked because he had a dream of uh, babies. And then in the dream, he was asking God, are these kids mine? And then, and then, and then somewhere he, he spoke with his wife because he saw a boy. And he's like, but we don't have a boy here. So he spoke with his wife and the, uh, Chido, and then Chido was like, I really don't know where he's coming from. And then when he saw Maruva, he started to see the same vision. So Cliff told us we were pregnant before we knew we were pregnant. So it's like the week before. So you went with the test? Um, so then the next morning, because I did it in the evening, on the 25th of November. <laughs> um, the next morning, I went and I did the blood pregnancy one. And when the results came out, I then got hold of um, the doctor's assistant, PA, and I said, listen, um, I've conceived. And then she was like, oh, okay, you need to come through. And when I went through, when we went through, actually, and, and we were like the last appointment of the day because they were like, no, you guys need to come through. Um, 
the first thing he said was, how did this happen? <laughs> and I was like, you're going to have to ask God because we don't know. <laughs> yeah. Man, that's awesome. And you guys went through uh, with it. And where are we today? So, yes, we went through with it. Um, so because doctor, the doctor had said that it might be risky, etc., um, when choosing a gynae, a gynae ob, I looked for a specialist gynae ob because, hey, he said it's going to be risky. So let's, let's see if we can get the best person to walk the journey with us. Um, it was not a risky pregnancy. Uh, every time we'd go to the, to the doctor's rooms, we'd wait maybe an hour or two because every person who goes in is sitting with him for 30 minutes, 45 minutes. My appointment was never 10 minutes long because everything was in check the entire way. And I carried to term and we have this beautiful boy. Come on, <laughs> praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Man, I'm telling you, this is awesome. So in closing, what one advice... Would you give someone watching, someone here in the service uh, who may be going through something similar? I mean, they may be going through a terminal illness that they may have received uh, a diagnosis from a doctor that says this is it. What kind of advice would you give to someone going through something like that? Uh, okay, I don't know if it's one, but I would try to make it one. We, we'll get one <laughs> from you and one from Marua. Okay, uh, okay I'll start with Marua Okay, so I think definitely um, seek out testimonies of people who've gotten breakthrough in the area that you are struggling with. So as much as I knew that there were people who um, never got to have their own children, I knew a lot more stories of people who got that breakthrough and encouraged myself in that because God is not a respecter of people. Um, what he does for one, he can do for you as well. So to just be able to encourage yourself with what God has done for others in, you know, giving them exactly what, what you want. Yeah. Praise God. That's awesome. Uh, and then for, for me, I think uh, there's nothing impossible with God. Come on. Uh, he's the God of impossibilities. Because, right. I mean, the way he did it, the miracle, we expected uh, the womb to be fixed uh, first. first. We were thinking uh, maybe... Let's pray for a new womb. But then he, he didn't do that. He does things his way. He worked with that same womb. They were saying, cannot, it doesn't work. On, he worked with that one. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. And that's for nine months. I mean, there's so much to be thankful for. So church, let's just stretch our hands towards them and just be thankful to God for this blessing. Father, we just thank you. We are just in awe of your power. We are just in awe of what Jesus paid for at the cross. And Father, it is in such moments like this where we see the reality of your power uh, that we are just in awe of you, that we are just uh, filled with gratitude. And so this morning, we just want to say thank you, Jesus. We just want to say siabonga. We just want to say donkey, Jesus. We just want to say thank you because our hearts are filled with gratitude. We thank you for Mukundi. We know that he's a special boy with a purpose. He's a world changer. And Father, we release him into the world to make a mark that cannot be erased. Father, we thank you for this family. We speak a breakthrough in every area that they may want it financially, physically, spiritually. Going into the future, we just release abundance. And it is in Jesus' name that we pray and someone shout, Amen. 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 Hallelujah.
Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I'm going to keep that one. Uh, Eddie, I'm going to keep that, that, that one. We, we're going into the word. Why don't you hold your Bible, lift it up real high, and shout, this is my Bible. This is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter, a doer, not just a hearer. Today, I'll learn from God's word and my life will never be the same again because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Well, today we're continuing to talk about uh, um, home improvements and we say that there is a grace for godly families. Amen. And to do this, I'm going to invite my wife to come up and she's going to uh, uh, help me with today's uh, uh, teaching because today we're talking about how to raise godly children. Amen. Amen. And Amen. we're going to look through scripture and see what the Bible has to say about how you and I can raise godly uh, uh, children. And here's the deal is that some of you may say, but I don't have kids right Amen. now. I think this information is vital. It's important in the world right now. You can use it to help somebody else who's Amen. raising uh, uh, kids. Amen? Amen. Or when you do have kids uh, sometime in the future. So I want to invite you to pay attention. Uh, take it all in and let's uh, raise godly children and godly fam uh, families. Amen. 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 And, and, amen, and, amen. and maybe some of you have children who've left home, right? But you, you, you're most likely to have grandchildren, right? And your grandchildren need to know some of these principles that we're going to be teaching here this morning, okay? So just a little bit of a disclaimer. Um, Pastor Tafara and I have two beautiful young daughters, uh, Munesi, who's seven, Tinaya, who's four. So we're not saying we've arrived, okay? We're not saying we're perfect parents. And we're most certainly not saying that we know it all. Okay, but this morning really, as Pastor Tafara says, is an invitation. Come, let's learn together. Come, let's grow together in the Word of God. And let's look at some of the principles around how we can raise godly children who eventually become godly adults, right? How many of you want to raise godly adults? How many of you want to raise children or adults who are going to be successful? Adults who are going to be fruitful in everything that God has called them to do, okay? And so uh, as parents, we're charged to train up and, and to raise up our children, amen? So let's go quickly um, to our foundational scripture for this morning. And it's found in Proverbs 22, verse 6. Sorry, I can't sit down. I'm just so excited. I think today's going to be so awesome. I'm just so excited about this awesome testimony. God is so good. So I'm going to stand and you're going to sit. <laughs> amen. <laughs> So let's go quickly to Proverbs 22, and we're going to read verse 6. And this is really our foundational scripture. I'm going to share a little bit about this, then we're going to do some tag team, tag team teaching here, okay? So Proverbs 22, verse 6 says, train up a child in the way that he should go. Okay, when it says he, it means a girl and a boy, okay? So, so we'll just stick to he, okay? Train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Amen. So this is a really important scripture because really what we as parents are being charged to do, what, what we as parents are being called to do is train up our children. Children can't train themselves up. 
And I hate to burst someone's bubble this morning, but social media should never be training our children up, okay? YouTube should not be training up our children, okay? Netflix can never be good at training up our children. It is our responsibility as parents to be training up our children. Now, it's sad to say, and it's sad that I've really got to say this, right? But what we're finding is we're living in a culture where parents have gotten these principles the wrong way around, right? So instead of parents training up their kids, what we're finding in this culture is children training up their parents. You know, I never thought in a million years I'd ever hear of a child uh, declaring to their parents that they didn't want to go to school. You know, I never in a million years ever thought, Pastor Henry, that I'd hear parents begging or asking their children if they wanted to go to church on a Sunday. I mean, I don't know about you, Pastor T, but growing up, I never got those options. It was my way or the highway. It was my way or the belt. (laughs) And so we need to train up our children in the way that they should go. And I believe what our parents understood then, what our grandparents understood then, which is what we need to understand now, is that God really has an expectation for us. God has a responsibility for us as parents to train up our children. Now, it's interesting that the Bible tells us to train up our children, not really to raise up our children. And, 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 and the reason why is because there's actually a subtle difference between raising up a child and training up a child. And I'm going to just explain briefly. Now, now, raising up the child is almost like that grassroots level. Anyone can raise up a child, right? Raising up has to do with, you know, making sure that the child has the right food, the right diet, you know, making sure that the child has something to wear, right? Making sure that the child has an education. But training goes a little bit deeper than that. Training is a lot very significantly different from raising. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give you a few uh, definitions that I found um, on Dr. Google <laughs> about what training is, okay? And I want to share this with you. And, I mean, these are really going to change the way you view training, right? So one of the definitions for training is to narrow the path, okay? To narrow the path. Training is to mold the character of. To mold the character of training is to instruct by drill. To, by drill. Drill. Rules. Yeah. Children need to know the rules in the house. Training is to make obedient. And, and, and my favorite de- uh, definition of training is to point in the exact direction. Because really the principle behind Proverbs 22 verse, um, verse 6 is if we train up a child, if we point a child in the right direction, when they are old, they're not going to depart from what we've trained them to do. Church, this is important. When you, if you've trained a child correctly, when they are old, they're not going to give you problems. If you've trained up a child correctly, when they're old, they're not going to have problems relating to society. When we train up our children, they're going to be successful. When we train up our children correctly, according to the Bible, they're going to be productive, they're going to know what God has called them to do, and they're going to fulfill it in this life. Amen. Now, the third thing I also want to point out about the scripture is it says, train up a child in the way that he should go so that when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, this implies that the training must happen when they're young, right? This implies that the training has to start early in life. Okay, I'm going to clarify a little bit what a child means, and we're going to 
dwell on that a little bit when we start to talk about some of the practical ways in which you can train up and, and raise up a child. So a child is really, um, really defined um, as a person who is between the ages of infancy. And so an infancy is right around a one and a half and a two-year-old child, all the way up to when they're an adolescent, which is really a teenager. And so this is wisdom right here. It says train them when they're a child, right? Because when they're really in that um, stage of their lives, they're like sponges. You know, they're not really going to forget. And you know what? They're actually going to do what you tell them to do, right? <laughs> they, they just are eager to please and they're eager to really just do what you want them to do. I mean, church, it's difficult to train an adult child. It's difficult to train a teenage daughter. I mean, the rod of correction will work on a two-year-old. But try the rod of correction on your 18-year-old daughter. Try the rod of correction on your 30-year-old son. And he's likely to take away that belt and beat you to a pulp. Try it. It becomes a fight. It's dangerous. So you need to start while they're still young. You need to start early. And then the fourth and final thing before we go into some of the key principles is that it says train up a child in the way they should go. The way that they should go. Not a way. You see, the world has a way of training up our, child, our children. You know, the world right now, I believe, is saying that our children should be allowed to do anything. The world right now is saying that our children can choose their gender when they're 16, I think it is, or whatever it is. I mean, that's rubbish, okay? The world even has varying ways of different things, and which are always changing with time and are quite inconsistent. I remember when we started, when we had our first child at Munesi, who's seven, and someone gave us a voucher for sleep training. And the world then, this was a few years ago, seven years ago, was saying that the right way to make a child sleep is to let them cry it out. And eventually when they cry it out, they're just going to sleep, sleep by themselves. And eventually if they cry it out so much, they're eventually just going to realize that the parents are not going to come and they're just going to realize that they need to sleep. Okay? Fast forward four years later, three years later, when we had Tanaya, sleep training was now being thrown out of the window. Now they were telling us that sleep training is rubbish. Sleep training doesn't work, okay? So the world has a way to train up our kids. But the most effective way, the most fruitful way to train up our children is the way that God has prescribed in his word. Amen. I just want to highlight something quickly. And while we were preparing for this message, I came upon another translation of Proverbs 22, Proverbs 22 verse 6, which I believe is really going to um, you know, really going really gonna to change a lot of um, things uh, in some of your lives, right? So um, in the Amplified Classic Translation, uh, Proverbs 22 verse 6, in the Amplified Classic Translation, this is really powerful, and I believe the Amplified Translation begins to give another dimension to this verse, okay? So Proverbs 22 verse 6 in the Amplified Translation, it says, train up a child in the way that he should go. And in brackets it says, and in keeping with his individual gift or bent. Do you see that? Train up a child in the way that he should go and in keeping with his individual gift or bent. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. And so the Amplified Translation really starts to bring out something that, you know, we as parents need to really realize. And that, that principle that the Amplified starts to bring out is that our children are unique. 
You know, each of our children is a composite. Each of our children was fashioned by God for a very specific purpose, with very specific giftings, with very specific callings. You know, even children born to the same mother and father are different. You know, some children are wired for the arts. Some children are good at maths. Okay, which of our kids will be good at. But some kids are good at maths. But did you hear that? You know, sometimes we let our expectations of what our children should be good at get in the way, okay? Instead of actually embracing and helping our children to identify what their giftings and their callings are in life and actually encouraging our children to pursue and to grow in those giftings so that they can um, understand what God's purpose and calling is for their lives. Okay, so some children are good at arts. Some children are good at English. Some children are good at business. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. And so we can we share a little little story? I know we're yeah. running out of time, but, we, you know, so, so this weekend we had four little girls over at our house for a sleepover. It was Kendra, Kayla, it was Manessa and Tinaya. And we witnessed something that was so amazing and just really helped us appreciate this verse, that truly children are unique. And truly we need to appreciate that and help them in their uniqueness. And so we had, um, the, the children were bored. And I told them to go outside, go outside and play. And they went outside and they started congregating around a lemon tree. And our two businesswomen in the group, Munesu and Kayla, looked at the lemons and said, why don't we pick some lemons and make some money from these lemons? Why don't we pick these lemons and make juice and sell the lemons, right? With and so tons they picked of sugar. Them, and, yeah, and honey. They actually used our honey. Can you believe it? They used half of our honey. By the time I got out, I saw half our honey used. I was like, no, Syrup girl, lemonade. what are you doing? Anyway, so they squeezed these lemons and they made honey and stuff like that. Then we got the, um, the marketing guru in the group, Kayla. Kayla was like, but no one's going to buy if we don't market. And so Kayla convinced her big sisters to put a little, write a little signpost that said lemonade for sale. Five rands. Can you believe it? Homemade lemonade for sale, five rand. So they put it up, and then Kayla was like, no, but no one's going to come. We have to go around and tell people that we're going to sell lemonade. So they went around, told people they're going to sell lemonade, and lo and behold, they had their first customer. Hey? And then the administrator of the group, little Tinaya, she's four years old, she set up a little table with her wares, with the little cups and a little sanitizer. They had sanitizer too, yeah. And they, you know, sanitized people's hands, and they sold their first cup of lemonade for five whole rands. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. They made 15 rands that day. I don't know who they can. They no, made 15, 15 rands. 15, One five. 15. They made 15 rands that day and five rands they sold on credit. They sold. And then they so got we've got some mathematicians in our group. Okay, so children payment. are different and we need to identify them. Someone <laughs> took the, the uh, lemonade on credit and they paid <laughs> with, uh, the with the marble yesterday. So, yeah. It was so, so, so Kayla, the debt collector, <laughs> skilled in debt collection, <laughs> went to collect the debts and got a marble instead but of But I think <laughs> what I want to add on this verse is that sometimes as parents, uh, I think there's going to be a great temptation for us to want our children <laughs> to be the things that we have always wanted to be. And, you know, some of us didn't get to do it, so we're going to try and force our kids, and we're going to live vicariously uh, through them. But I think it's unfair because from what this verse is saying, uh, it's saying that they have an individual gift. Mm -hmm. So I think we must... Uh, and this calls also for uh, paying attention uh, to them because I don't think you'll be able to 
uh, identify that individual gift if you don't pay attention, mm. which adds mm. to the difference between training and uh, raising. Mm. Mm. Amen. 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 Absolutely. And so this morning we're going to share with you, um, we're going to look at about three keys um, if we have some time. And these are just really ways to help us, all of us as parents, as parents-to-be, as grandparents, uh, whichever area and space we are in life, to really effectively train up our children and effectively really point them in the right direction. Amen. So the first key, if you're taking down notes that we're going to be looking at, is as parents, it is our responsibility to teach the Word of God to our children. Amen. So Psalm 119 uh, verse 105, it says, God's Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light to our path. And so God's word not only gives direction to our lives, right, but it also, and it should also be what gives direction ultimately to the lives of our children. And so it is our responsibility as parents to teach them the word of God. You know, parents, we can't delegate this responsibility to someone else. It is indeed our responsibility. And honey, I'm going to ask you to read um, Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 to 9. I think in the NLT, I didn't write it down here, but anyway, Deuteronomy 6. We're going to read verses 6 to 9 in uh, the NLT. In the New Living Translation, Deuteronomy 6, from verse 6 to 9. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Amen. Next verse. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road and when you are going to bed, and when you are getting up. Wow. Wow. That's, that's such a, 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 a humbling reminder, right? You know, as parents, um, and I really hate to tell you this, but, but one hour at Sunday, Sunday school is not enough, yeah. right? One hour at kids' church is just not enough to train up your children in the Word of God. You know, as parents, we need to be talking about Jesus continuously. I mean, this scripture pretty much says all the time, right? When they wake up, when we're around the house. Um, and I love what it says. It says when we're journeying, when, we're when we're on the road. And, and you've got an amazing way in which you um, help to teach our children about the way, word of God um, when they're going to school, right? Yeah, so what we do is we try and uh, give them a memory verse uh, every week. They get a memory verse from school, but we also try and give them one. And then they learn to read from the Bible. So, you know, Munesu will run in and say, please give me a verse to read and mm -hmm. to, you know, attempt to read uh, or learn to read from uh, reading scripture. And then every single morning when we go to church, to school, they get to pick the playlist of the, you know, music that they want to uh, listen to. Yeah. And then we get to sing along yeah. all the way from home to uh, to the school, so even if I'm busy, and, you know, and I, you know at, at certain points of my life, I was hugely tempted to delegate that responsibility mm. uh, of taking them to school to somebody else. They have um, uh, services, shuttle services yeah. at the school that yeah. you can just throw them in there. But when we read this scripture and we found out what kind of responsibility we have from God, I realized, you know what? There is also the aspect of me uh, training them even on the road. Yeah. So, you know, as, as inconveniencing as it may be sometimes, uh, you know, I, I have to do it, yeah. you know, in, in order to train up the, the children. Amen. So every single morning, it's my duty to take them to school and Amen. it's their duty to pick them up pick and them up. We, we try and play praise and worship music. Amen. Amen. So I sometimes get into trouble, right, um, if he's not around and I have to take them to school because I, do, I, I like confessions. 
And my kids like worship. So I'm like, you need to say a few confessions before we, before we do some worship here, right? So I, I said to little tonight, you need to say, I'm 10 times better than the world. Like, I'm 10 times better than the world. <laughs> okay, I'm a leader and I'm not a follower. You know, I'm a leader, not I'm not a follower. And that's just really how we get our children to really learn the word of God. That's how we get our children to really know about Jesus, right? By exposing them through our, the everyday things that we do to Jesus, amen, and to the word of God, amen. So another thing really around teaching the word of God is, is really this principle. You know, you can't teach your children what you're not willing to live. You know, you can't teach your children what you yourselves are not doing. You know, you can't tell your children pray when you don't even pray and they've never seen you pray. I mean, children are not dumb, eh? Your actions actually speak much louder than your words, okay? So you can't even teach your children about being generous if you yourself are not being generous. So it's very important that you set a good godly example. It's very important and, and, and something that I quite like. When, when we are um, Thursday life group, you know, our, our kids know 7 o'clock Thursday is life group, right? Because there's uh, cupcakes. Yeah, yeah, okay, well, yeah. Okay, so there's an added incentive. Children like rewards, so you know what? Do what you got to do, okay? But, <laughs> but, but they know that it's life group, right? And they know that, you know, my, my parents are going to dedicate an hour to really um, fellowshipping with other believers, but fundamentally to learn the word of God. They respect that they see that and so by the time that they grow up and we're telling them you know join life group you know they they already know it's a thing in the house right and they're really already expectant um of of just participating because they know that it's something that's available cliff and chido as well so they've got their daughter kendra i believe she also joins the life group as well so that's something you can also do for your kids so kendra joins the life group and while they're reading some of the passages they get kendra to read the passages as well right and that's a great thing to do if some of your kids are a little bit older involve them let them see you worshiping let them see you reading let them see you praying okay and that's that's the best example you can the best teacher your children will ever have is you okay be the best teacher to your children of godly living and i might add you know parenting is more caught than taught yep so like uh, my wife is saying here they they are paying attention to us so we can't tell them uh, be kind at school, and then in traffic, we're waving at people with one finger, and we're doing... I mean, they, they can see all of that. So, you know, ki- kids are not dumb. They're saying, man, you're talking a good game, but, you know, you don't have the fruit. So I think it's also very important for us to realize we have to teach the word, but above just teaching it, we also have to model it. Amen. Uh, Amen. With the way we treat others and with the way we treat each other. Amen. 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 And then the second key, just moving on swiftly, um, is really this. Again, for those taking down notes, love is spelled time. So your children, love, not, is, love spelled is spelled time. Time. Okay. And, and by time, I'm not really just talking about the quantity of time, but I'm also really talking about the quality of time. You know, I think we've been misled in in culture to believe that, you know, our love to our kids should be demonstrated through the things that we give them or really the opportunities that we give them. There's nothing wrong with things and there's absolutely nothing wrong with opportunities that we give to our children. But what our children deeply desire, what our children need the most is you and me. You know, our children need parents, they need their family, they need that time, both from a quantity and quality perspective. I came across a poll... Um, that was done by MTV, okay? And, and, okay, I know it's not a Christian. Quoting MTV it's not a, in church. No, no, but I've got, there's a point I'm trying to make here. 
There's a point I'm trying to make here, okay? So MTV is like your music television or whatever, right? And they did a poll and they conducted a poll, it was quite recent, of children between the ages of 13 to 16, okay? So these were not just Christian children. These were children all over the world, children everywhere between 13 to 26, okay? And, 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 and the findings were so outstanding because really this is a universal need of children, the MTV poll um, established um, that most children between the ages of 13 to 26 were most happy when they spent time with their family. The poll established that these children were most happy when they spent time with their loved ones. Okay? I mean, family matters to young people. Family really matters. And over and above this, parents play a really positive role in their children's life because the very same poll concluded by saying that half the kids that were interviewed said that their parents were their heroes. We are our children's heroes. And so we need to be intentional about making time to spend with our children, making that, that time, not just the quantity of it, but really the quality of it. And I mean, some of the decisions we've had to make in our lives really, I believe, have made a difference, right? So um, one of the things that I, I did was, um, you know, after I came back from work, you know, um, like, we, I work quite a busy job. My phone's always ringing, always on the phone. I had to make a decision. Once I'd parked that car in the garage, I was going to turn my phone off. And, and, and the hours between parking the car in the garage and until my children were asleep was my children's time, was actually my family time. And so I was going to, you know, committed and became intentional about understanding how my children's day was. Like, how was your day? You know, understanding what my children were experiencing and feeling. And, 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 and I think this goes a long way in helping them identify their gifts. I love our children's school. The children, our children go to a really good school. It's a Christian school. Now, on the sign of the door, when we collect our children, it says, turn your, kid, turn your phone off when you pick up your child. We're actually um, banned from being on our cell phone when we pick up our children. And I believe the reason behind that is because those hours between us, um, really, um, uh, our, our kids are ending or transitioning from the end of their school day to transitioning to home life are quite critical. And when your phone is off and your attention is solely devoted to your kid, you can find out what happened to them. They can tell you things that happened to them. They can tell you their dreams. They can tell you about, you know, kids who were, who were hitting them, although, I, you know, Tinaya has never had that experience. But they can tell you <laughs> she's assertive. She's very strong-willed. So ain't no time for bullies. But they can tell you these things. And you want to encourage them to tell you these things while they're still young, right? Because if they're not telling you these things while they're still young, believe you me, when they're older, they'll be telling someone else. And that person's not going to be a good influence on their lives. I don't know if you have something else to add to this. I think it's, it's good as well that uh, we, we're bringing this up and that, you know, we, we have an opportunity to switch off our phones and just listen because, you know, our kids also give us feedback and we need to be able to pay attention to that uh, so that we can lead them in the, in the way of the Lord. Amen. 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 And, and, and really, you know, again, in terms of time, um, you know, you don't always have to be doing serious stuff. You know, our kids want to have fun with you. You know, they want to have fun with you. They're having fun with their friends at school, but they also want to have fun with you. And so our, our, our older daughter has instituted family nights <laughs> every Friday night. 
okay? And we, we have to just get with the program, eh? Sometimes we're watching movies that we'd rather not be watching, right? Okay? But this is important to her. I mean, we've watched Frozen probably 30 times. We can sing the songs. Pastor Tafara can sing the songs. But it's important to our children that Friday... Annie. Oh, my word. Annie. Annie's another one. Oh, my. Hell, thank you, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. We'll be suffering for Jesus there. But anyway, our children, these, this Friday night is important to our daughter. And Friday night's important for us to establish that bond with the family. Okay, so sometimes you just have to do things that are fun. Okay. Um, then the third thing um, is really this. Discipline is not optional. Discipline is necessary. Okay? Ephesians 6 verse 4 in the Amplified Classic Translation. Can I ask you to read it for me, honey? That's Ephesians 6 verse 4 in the Amplified Classic Translation. Ephesians 6 verse 4 in the Amplified Classic Translation. It says, fathers, do not irritate and provoke your children to anger. Do not exasperate them to resentment, but rear them tenderly in their training and discipline and the counsel and admonition of the Lord. Okay, there we go. So I asked him to read it because I think it's, it's this, this specific verse is really, is really addressing fathers, right? So it says, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger but raise them up tenderly. Because I think fathers tend to be a little bit overbearing, okay? But the, 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 the goal is we don't want to provoke our kids to anger. We don't want our kids to, uh, to, to, to become rebellious because of really how we're training them up and how we're raising them up. But none, needless to say, the scripture says that we must um, not irritate and provoke our children to anger, but raise them or rear them tenderly in the training and discipline and the counsel and admonition of the Lord. So discipline... Sad to say, okay, is a very necessary thing or process in training up uh, our uh, children. And you're not going to have fun no, doing it. No, you're not going to have fun. You're not going to have fun, okay? But we're going to look at some principles really around discipline and maybe also some of the practical ways in which really the Bible charges us as parents to discipline, okay? So number one is, is, is discipline without relationship is going to give rise to rebellion, Okay? It's, it's, it's actually abuse. So if you're not going to cultivate a relationship with your child, if you're not going to bother to try and get to know your child, to get to understand your child, to spend time with your child, to have fun with your child, you can't just lay down the rules all the time. You know, you can't just be abusing them, hitting them, beating them and all of that because really it's, it's abuse. And what this results in is it results in rebellion. It results in really your child turning away from you, okay? So we want to make sure through the things that we've shared that you're constantly having a relationship with your child. You're being intentional about really getting to know your child and, and, I, and, and engaging with your And just to child. add to that, and I, I mean, I have a lot of respect for our parents and for how they raised us, but one uh, issue I believe that they missed with old school parenting mm -hmm. is that with the fathers, when they got into character for discipline, drug on dead, they forgot to come out of it. Yeah. You know, you can't just stay. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. you know, in my own context, yeah. when you hear the car driving in, <laughs> like, so you knew yeah. all the fun is over. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's now real. <laughs> and when you would come in, you would grab the newspaper. It, it doesn't, I mean, he's disciplined, man, okay? 
And, it, and I feel like they forgot to get out of character. And because of that, the relationship aspect also, you know, suffered. You know, Amen. Just my two cents. Amen. So, Dragon Daddies, please get out of character. And you need to really have a relationship. You need to have a balance. This discipline is necessary. It's not optional. But there also needs to be a relationship with your children as well. Okay. The second one is we should never discipline or discipline should never be given in anger or out of embarrassment. Okay, so James 1 verse 20 says, man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. You cannot use anger to work or bring about righteousness or the righteous life in your children. You know, when parents yell at their children in anger, when parents um, discipline their children or hit their children in anger, again, it's child abuse. And the Bible says you cannot bring about the righteous life in your children by or through anger. And so really, um, you know, as parents, we need to be calm and we need to really be measured when it comes to discipline our, our children. You know, the other day, my kids broke my earphone, my headset, okay? And those are really expensive, like, things, you know? And I was actually quite angry. And, 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 it's, and it helps to, to, to work together when you're disciplining. I was really angry. And so um, Pastor Tefriar told me, you know, just calm down, okay? Just literally calm down. So I told the children, you know, I go to your room, and I'm going to, like, deal with you later, okay? Until I calm down. And the poor kids, I think, for, like, a good I 10 think, minutes I think the context praying. was they had been told not to oh, do what they were yeah. doing, you know, in the process yeah, of They breaking, were jumping on the bed. Breaking things, yeah, so... They were yeah. jumping on the bed, and then they broke my headset. But anyway, okay, so, 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 so it's important to just be calm. There are many ways in which you can calm down before you actually uh, implement discipline on your kids, but never, never um, hit your kids out of anger, okay? But when you are calm, then you can. Yeah, yeah. Then you. But we're going to talk about the rod of correction is a necessary thing. (laughs) Third one (laughs) discipline (laughs) must be consistent. And this one is such an important one. Discipline must be consistent, okay? So now when, when you as a parent are constantly telling your children, you know, if you do this, then, you know, if you, if you break the rules, then I'm, then, 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 then I'm going to give you an understanding, okay? And, and, and if they break the rules and you don't give them an understanding, you know, what you've actually taught your children to do or to understand is that adults don't always mean what they say. What you've actually taught your children to understand is that you know, I don't always have to obey what my parents or what an adult is going to tell me, okay? So discipline must be consistent. Okay, another, another example is if you've told your children that they can't, you know, by 8.30 they have to be in bed and there's no TV after that, right? And, and on a Monday, you still catch your children uh, watching TV at 9 p.m. and you do nothing about it. But on Tuesday, you catch your t- children watching TV at 8.53 and you whip them. I mean, that's inconsistent. And what's going to happen is, you again, you're going to provoke your children to anger and you're going to get rebellion and problems and challenges in your house. I don't know what you want to say about anything, if you want to say anything. Okay. And then discipline obviously has to be consistent between parents. You know, for those who um, are dating and, you know, or those who are courting or those who are engaged or those who still don't have parents or children, what's very important is that up front you agree on the principles around discipline. 
You agree on when you're going to discipline, who's going to discipline, and with what you're going to be disciplining with, right? So this is something we agreed on way before we had our children. We knew exactly what we were going to discipline with, okay? And when and how and all that, okay? So now, let's, so now um, really just to, just to close, is we need to keep discipline simple. The reality is children should only fundamentally be disciplined over two things, and these two things are so simple. Children should be disciplined because of disrespect or dishonor or disobedience. So if a children, a child is, not, uh, is disrespectful or dishonoring, and if a child is disobedient, they need to be disciplined, right? So it's, it's two fundamental things. Church, you shouldn't be disciplining a child, a, a child in their formative years over spilling milk, okay? They shouldn't be getting the rod of correction for spilling milk. Okay? The, a child who's three should not be getting the rod of correction for forgetting things. They're children. In the formative years, which really are between two and five, a child should be disciplined for two things only. And these two things are things that you really need to remember. Dishonor, disrespect, or disobedience. Okay? So let's talk a little bit around the methods or some of the practical ways in which we would discipline, right? So... There are about 18 verses in Proverbs, and we're not going to read all of them, okay, because we don't have time. We actually run out of time. But we're going to read two. And really, uh, this will, this, you know, these, these, these scriptures will really um, help you to, um, come, well, to, to know the practical ways in which the Bible says we must discipline the, our children, right? So there are 18 verses in Proverbs which deal with chastisement, correction, or the rod. There's wisdom in the rod, okay? Because the purpose of the rod is not for punishment, we're not wanting to punish our children, but the purpose of the rod is to establish boundaries and the consequences for transgressing beyond or outside of those boundaries, right? The purpose of the rod is to establish sowing and reaping, okay? So let's go quickly and we'll read two of them. Uh, we'll read Proverbs 13 verse 20, uh, 24, Proverbs 13 verse 24, you can read it in the King James Version. Proverbs 13 verse 24. It says, he that spareth his rod hateth his son, hmm. but he that loveth him chasteneth him in good season. In good season. Amen. Amen. I believe it's the NKJV says, he, he that spares his rod hates his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. And that word betimes just means early. Okay? So again, this principle is that we need to start, establish our training process when they are early. You see, the, the scripture is quite clear. It says, if we don't discipline our children, we hate them. Sure. Okay? Now, someone's probably saying, but I love my son too much to hit him. No, you don't. The scripture says, you hate them. Okay? I'm so glad these are not my words. Let's go to Proverbs 29, verse 15. Proverbs 29, verse 15. As we close. The rod and reproof give wisdom, mm, but awesome. a child left to himself bringeth a mother to shame. Amen. Amen. Okay. So, so it says the rod, which is the form of correction, and reproof, which really is instruction, gives wisdom. So if we want to come up with a fancy mathematical equation, what we can say is the rod, which is discipline, plus instruction, which is reproof, equals wisdom. Okay. <laughs> It equals wisdom. So not only should we be uh, giving the rod to our children, but we should be telling them why they're getting the rod. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay? So if a child has transgressed, they need to know why they're getting a whipping. So the rod plus reproof must come together. Another equation we can deduce or derive from this is the rod plus no teaching is abuse. No wisdom. If you are constantly giving your child the rod and you're not actually explaining why they're getting the rod, you know what? That's child abuse. And you're going to get anger. You're going to get rebellion. Okay? And then, what's the other one? Reproof or the rod, okay? Uh, What's the other one? No rod, okay, plus reproof, okay, is actually silly. Because the bottom line, and remember we're talking about the formative years. You can't reason with a three-year-old. You know, time out is not going to work for a three-year-old. You can't tell a three-year-old who's just bitten their baby brother that you're being self-centered. And you know what the Bible says about spirit. being self-centered? It's, a, it's the source of all grief. Go into the naughty corner so that you can meditate on the scriptures and be good. The only thing a three-year-old, the only thing a two-year-old, a three-year-old, a four-year-old, a five-year-old understands is pain. The only thing that they understand is consequences for transgressing and getting out of the boundaries. Okay. So the rod plus reproof must come together. And then final, final scriptures, Proverbs 22 verse 15 which says foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. But the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Okay? (laughs) Foolishness is in the heart of a child. You know, you don't have to train your child to bite. You don't have to train your child or teach your child how to pinch or how to disobey. It comes naturally to them. But the Bible says that these things can be driven away from your child. Far away from your child by the rod of correction. And if the the foolishness comes back again, the rod comes out again. And the foolishness gets driven out again. Amen. 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 I think think just to bring context as well is that it's not going to be fun doing it. Uh, you're not going to enjoy it. It's going to break your heart. But one thing I realized later on, my mom used to always tell me this, that whenever she would use the rod, she would say, oh, no, don't worry. You're going to thank me later. (laughs) And true to her words, I called her later on when I was 28. And I said, you know what? Thank you so much (laughs) for using the rod on me. Because there is no way I would have understood it any other way. The only way I could have understood it was, you know, with pain. And, you know, I, I really am thankful yeah. that my parents were, you know, strict and they used the rod and that, you know, really helped me become the person that God wanted me to be. Amen. 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 So, so, the, so, so the rod works in the formative years. When they are now reach five years old and they're probably around 10, you, you, you're really going to be easing up. Well, if you've done your training right while they're still young, you're going to start easing up a little bit on now that it's discipline, the look. right? So, the, so yeah, now it's the look. But the rod, the rod comes away a little bit. <laughs> now it's the look, but now it's more reproof and instruction. Okay, because at this stage, if they've really, the training's been done really well, <laughs> they understand consequences for their actions, okay? And then, and then fundamentally, then when they're above 12, when they're teenagers, I mean, this really, guys, take away the rod. You're going to get beaten back, okay? Take away the rod. It's too late, okay? It's too late. 
But fundamentally, at this stage, okay, <laughs> there are other forms of discipline that, that, that are well understood, okay? Take away the place, Dave. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Grounding works. Taking away their privileges, you know? Uh, we've, got a, we've got a nephew who, when the parents take away the, his phone, it's like he's entered the lowest levels of hell themselves, okay? <laughs> it's like really traumatic for him, okay? So they understand those forms, of, and those forms of discipline are, are appropriate and actually do work for the, our children, okay? So, so the truth is that the dispensation of the law ends when they turn five. <laughs> so in our household, we say if you're below five, you're not under grace. You're under the law. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So grace, you start to transition into grace as you turn six, seven. You go into full grace when you're 18. Okay? Full manifestation. But otherwise, I make the rules and I enforce them. Amen. 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 And, and look, and I think where we want to end is, is really this, right? So it's not, you know, it's not always about looking for ways to discipline your children, right? Um, as parents, we need to also be intentional about looking for ways to praise our children. Right? looking for ways to actually show them praise, especially when they've done something that you've previously asked them to do and they've just done it without being nagged or asked about, right? So, um, you know, there was one time I was so proud of Manessi, she'd actually made her bed. <laughs> and it's quite an achievement, okay? And it's in moments like this that you show them appreciation. You tell them, you know, Manessi, I'm so proud of you. I'm so happy. Thank you for making your bed. And you know what? This really helps is it encourages them to want to do it more often. Yeah. I mean, we learned last week um, during um, the Thanksgiving uh, message, you know, the more that you're thankful, the more that you have to appreciate, the more that just happens to you, right? So the more that we appreciate our children and show them praise, the more they want to hear our praise and the more they will do, okay? So experience, it shouldn't just always be about the rod of correction. It shouldn't always be about disciplining, disciplining, disciplining. We need to be intentional about also finding ways in which we can show them praise. Amen. 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 Our hearts really in this series is to, uh, uh, for all of us to tap into that grace that God has made available uh, for godly families. There is, a, there is opposition coming against families uh, all the way from the Institute of Marriage to the Institute of the Family. And uh, we really need to be strong uh, as the church to uh, stick with how God uh, uh, originally intended for us to function in the context of our family. So it is our heart's desire uh, that, you know, what we are sharing from God's word would help uh, all of us, us included. We're going to be putting all these things uh, into practice uh, so that we can see the grace of God uh, in our godly families. Amen. Well, we're going to pray for Amen. you guys. We're going to pray for Amen. everyone here, your families, and uh, we're going to uh, wrap it up. Amen. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for every family under the sound of our voice. Father, we just give you all the praise and glory uh, for the grace that you have released uh, for godly families. Lord, we just thank you uh, this morning and we pray for uh, uh, all the parents, uh, all their children. Uh, Lord, we just thank you, Father, that their, their children are being raised in the counsel of the Lord, in the wisdom of the Lord. Lord, we just thank you and we give you all the praise. Those who are, are trusting you for children, uh, for childbearing, we release that grace this morning. We release that anointing. We just thank you, Father, for we know Jesus has already given us promises. Some of the verses that uh, Maru and Tinashe read, we just release those verses uh, uh, to everyone that may be watching and is believing God. 
uh, to conceive and give birth. And those that may be under the sound of my voice, standing on that same promise. Lord, we just give you praise and all the glory. It is in Jesus' amen. name that we pray. And someone say it. Amen. amen and amen, amen and amen. amen. Well, we love amen. you guys. You. God bless you. Thank we'll see you next week. Same time, same place. God bless. Bye-bye. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.